Welcome back to the NFT Nation podcast, the most relatable and reliable NFT and crypto podcast in the nation. In today's episode, I'll be teaching everyone what DeFi, aka decentralized finance is, and I will also explain why it is so important inside the crypto world. So without further ado, let's just hop right into it. So pretty much uh, to first understand what decentralized finance is, we have to understand what centralized finance is. And centralized finance, other no, otherwise known as CFI, um, CFI exchanges act as an intermediary to manage the crypto transactions and activities of users. Centralized finance is a financial practice that allows users to earn interest and get loans on their cryptocurrencies through centralized exchanges. To be able to process your desired transactions and crypto orders, private keys to the crypto assets that you own would be entrusted with your chosen third-party entity. The aim of CFI is to boost speed and cost efficiency of processing transactions while making fair trades. So um, I will be explaining this more throughout the episode, but this is your Coinbase's, your Robinhood's, the companies that personally own your own crypto but the, you, they allow you to purchase crypto through their kind of business practices, if that makes sense. So, with that in mind, we're going to move on to decentralized finance, aka DeFi. Um, DeFi is short for decentralized finance, obviously. It's an umbrella term for the part of the crypto universe that is geared towards building a new internet-native financial system using blockchains to replace traditional intermediaries and trust mechanisms. Decentralized finance or DeFi exchanges, which eliminate the need of a third party to control the activity of users, thus allowing technology to take over and users having authority to manage their transactions and deals. Today, it is still difficult to perform many financial actions, such as taking out a loan without going through a centralized intermediary. Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies don't cover that use case. Uh, hearing this explanation, though, you might be wondering what's so innovative about DeFi and cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin have been around for years, providing us with decentralized financial system. However, cryptocurrencies represent just one aspect of DeFi, the intermediary of exchange. So um, DeFi really aims to completely take out the middleman when it comes to transitioning money. DeFi aims to expand the, expand the value of that cryptocurrency has brought over the past few years to the entire financial sector, including borrowing and lending, stocks, bonds, and other tradable assets, insurance, asset storage, and several more areas as well. Um, with that in mind, the Ethereum blockchain popularized popularized pop you oh my lord the ethereum block with with that in mind the ethereum blockchain popularized smart contracts which are the basis of DeFi in 2017 other blockchains have since implemented smart contracts so uh what is exactly cfi versus DeFi? like how do we compare the two and the main motive of decentralized finance platforms and centralized finance platforms remains the same, i.e. to facilitate people to use cryptocurrencies for all of their financial needs and services, but the way they both execute is different. So obviously, the main goal of both CFI and DeFi is to get users to use cryptocurrency to move finances around. So 
pretty much we're going to go kind of deep in depth of what CFI actually is. And to kind of hop into that, we'll start with um, there are many ways in which centralized finance differs from decentralized finance. And we're going to explain how these are actually different from one another. And Binance, Coinbase, Libra, etc. are well-known CFI exchanges that have been carrying out crypto financial services for quite some time now. Users typically create an account with these companies and use the platform to primarily transfer and receive funds. But these exchanges not not only provide uh, crypto trading services, but also support other services like lending, borrowing, margin training, and many other services. Hence, the more the number of services a CFI exchange provides, the more number of users. Since these are entities that are established and have been around for a while, users trust these platforms while providing intimate and confidential information about themselves. So pretty much like their their driver's license or social security number, all stuff like that. However, since they are centralized in nature, there is always a possibility of data security breach and thefts as these platforms are susceptible to cyber attacks and data leaks. One of the many advantages of, C of centralized finance over DeFi is that they, they support cross-chain uh, exchange for multiple cryptocurrencies, although these cryptos are generated on individual blockchains, thus displaying interoperability of cryptocurrencies. DeFi exchanges also enable the conversion of fiat currencies to crypto and vice versa in an easy and seamless manner. Um, so some of the benefits of CFI, aka centralized finance, is number one, higher interest rates. CFI platforms determine the inter interest rates by themselves, thus more stable, and they are not suspected to market forces. Interest rates also tend to be significantly higher as compared to other DeFi platforms. And the second benefit is that there is flexibility in fiat conversions. Conversions between cryptocurrency and fiat normally require a centralized exchange. People who are new to trading crypto can conveniently use such exchanges to convert fiat to crypto and vice versa. This cannot be easily done on DeFi. Therefore, in this aspect, CeFi trumps DeFi with the seamless experience. Uh, the third reason is that there, is, there are many cross-chain services. Centralized finance systems support the trading of different coins that are issued on independent blockchain platforms. However, DeFi systems are more restrictive and do not support such tokens due to the elaborate and cumbersome process of deforming cross-chain swaps. This is a significant advantage of CeFi as most of the high market cap coins are traded on independent blockchains. Uh, the fourth reason is that the fourth and final reason of a benefit of CeFi is that there's a lot of availability of customer service. Uh, blockchain technology is rapidly developing field and investors might find it challenging to keep themselves updated. Well-established exchanges have efficient customer service departments to assist during uncertain and uh, uncertain times. Uh, additionally, they tend to provide easy access to vet to a vast knowledge on crypto to educate their users. For example, Hold Not resources uh, cover topics across the DeFi ecosystem from interest accounts to loans and borrowing and guides for using cryptocurrencies. So pretty much the final uh, reason for why or an advantage of CeFi is that since these are actual companies, um, they have a huge uh, customer service department and they can help you with any kind of crypto related problem you might be having. 
So since we just talked about the advantages of CFI, what exactly are the disadvantages? So the first disadvantage of CFI is that there is a risk of compromised privacy. The initial process of creating an account with a centralized exchange includes giving it private details, such as your legal documents and residential address. This process is commonly referred to as KYC, aka Know Your Customer, and it helps to prevent illegal activities like money laundering and verifying that the users are real. If the exchange encounters a cyber intrusion, there is a risk that your private information may land in the wrong hands. So obviously, if something like Coinbase's servers were hacked and they somehow uh, lose the server where your information is on, the, that hacker can now have access to your driver's license, passport, or even your social security number, which is not great at all. Uh, the second risk of DeFi is that there is a risk of losing your funds. So in CFI, uh, users entrust their funds to their chosen cent centralized exchanges and have no auton autonomy over their funds. Essentially, we are trusting the people managing the business to uphold a high level of security and protect the assets. If the exchange is hacked, there is a poss high possibility of losing them. So to use Coinbase as an example, if Coinbase was hacked and they hacked into uh, many users' wallets, those hackers could steal your crypto from your wallet. Uh, despite these risks, you need not to worry about CFI, as almost all exchanges utilize blockchain forensics and have companies to keep a lookout for any fraudulent activity. They aim to reduce any risk and protect their customers, providing a reliable environment. So since these are very public companies and uh, even like Coinbase is on the stock market, they have to uphold a high level of security as well. They have to hold a very good brand image, so they are going to do their best to keep your crypto assets as safe as possible. So with that out of the way, let's just move on to DeFi. So due, due to its decentralized structure, DeFi is hands down the best when it comes to protection of personal data. Users are the sole owners of their data, hence there is no chance of funds being stolen or misused or vulnerable to thefts. Users are responsible for managing their own funds and activities. As decentralized finance is hosted on a blockchain platform like Ethereum, smart contracts are designed to automatically execute transactions when a particular condition is fulfilled. Since smart contracts are automatic, users can be fully assured that transactions will never fail and will be properly executed, almost always. Users do not require any permission to join a decentralized finance exchange since it is permissionless, that is why it is known as being decentralized, which is not the case in centralized platforms like C5. So a problem you can a problem you can run into is that say you were not uh, you were under the age of 18 and you want to trade many crypto assets you are not going to be able to join a centralized finance platform because they have to do KYC and you have to be uh, sorry you have to be above 18 but with DeFi you can do it at any age completely anonymously. But since DeFi exchanges have been lacking in providing services like cross-chain exchanges, uh, since the process of cross-chain exchange is cumbersome and very complicated, DeFi platforms fail in providing this interoperability. Uh, but with growing technology, DeFi exchanges have been able to provide alternate alternatives in this regard. Um, so pretty much, it's very hard for a DeFi exchange to implement cross-chain uh, trading but it's very easy for a centralized fi uh, financial structure to do so. But since uh, technology has been improving in the past few months and years, 
DeFi is getting ever closer to having this on the ground. So some of the basic examples of decentralized finance exchanges are Kyber, Totile, MakerDAO, and something like PancakeSwap. So to move on from that, what are the advantages of DeFi? Why should we use it? Why would we even consider using it when something like Coinbase is so easy to use? So obviously, decentralized finance uh, benefits from many of the characteristics that blockchain technology possesses. Uh, These benefits include that no credit score or borrow history is needed. Also, you can earn earn interest on idle crypto that you are currently not trading or uh, crypto you are holding. You're able to earn interest on that. And the biggest, the the first kind of biggest uh, example of why it is good to use DeFi is that there's autonomy, autonomy. So the money and assets that you own in a DeFi ecosystem are yours and yours alone. There is no centralized authority, such as a bank, with the ability to freeze your account, seize your assets, or even block your transactions. Also, there's uh, the accessibility is very, uh, very. It's a good thing. If you're if you've been in the active in the digital assets industry for some time, you've likely heard that 1.7 billion unbanked people around the world uh, pretty much just don't have access to save their money anywhere. So since they're unable to access bank accounts, these people are at a disadvantage to pursue many financial opportunities, and the accessibility of DeFi um, can bring those people ever closer to being able to save money. Especially there is the tradability of DeFi, and especially with stuff like synthetic assets, aka tokenized assets uh, like cryptocurrencies, they're another aspect of DeFi bringing immense value. Uh, by creating tradable tokens such that represent, say, a portion of real estate investment, you open up the investment for people who previously couldn't afford it to potentially access from anywhere in the world. So you're opening up the investment pool to anyone, just bring to a, a wider audience, pretty much. And similarly, DeFi enables investors to trade more efficiently because they aren't required to commit an entire high-value investment at once. Instead, they have the option to buy or sell just a portion of an investment or a certain crypto. Also, there's a lot of transparency with DeFi. Since DeFi data is publicly available, it enables you to keep service providers honest. Uh, For instance, you can easily check the reserves of a DeFi bank, shop around for accurate loan rates, or even track the transactions of public figures because everything on, on the blockchain is viewable. So, since we just went over the advantages of DeFi, what are some disadvantages? So, DeFi does not have a significant number of benefits, but, or sorry, DeFi has a significant number of benefits, but it does not come out, come without faults. Uh, Giving individuals complete control of their money and assets is risky. You can lose your private keys, you can forget your password, or you can even mistype an address and everything can go wrong. And the kind of list of ways you can lose your cryptocurrency goes on and on but according to the wall street journal over one-fifth of all bitcoin is currently missing with further adoption we can expect this figure to grow because people do not have the right uh kind of cryptocurrency uh knowledge beforehand before investing and they can get very lost in the crypto space and they can continue to lose crypto and just kind of continue to make wrong decisions additionally the complexity of smart contracts open the potential for attack vectors that don't exist in traditional traditional 
financial systems. Uh, looking through history, you can find a nearly endless number of examples that demonstrate how less than seller smart contracts have led to a host of people losing their cryptocurrency. Things like coding errors and hacks are common in DeFi blockchains and uh, are common in DeFi. And since block blockchain transactions are irreversible, um, if a transaction does happen that is fraudulent, it cannot be corrected. Uh, for example, in 2020, a platform known as Yam Finance took deposits equivalent to 750 million within days of its launch before crashing because of a small coding error. Additionally, the code for the smart contracts is generally open source software that can be copied to set up complete competing platforms, which creates instability as funds shift from platform to platform. So pretty much since it is open source, it's easily to be copied and uh, competitors can easily swoop in and create their own product to compete with the biggest player. Uh, also, the person or entity behind a DeFi protocol may be unknown and may disappear with investors' money out of nowhere. Um, so investor Michael Novogratz has even described DeFi protocols as Ponzi-like because a lot of money can be, uh, a lot of things in the DeFi space can look like a Ponzi scheme just because they are fraudulent. So you really want to keep a good eye out when you are experimenting in the DeFi space. Uh, DeFi has been compared to the uh, ICO or initial coin offering craze of 2017 as part of a cryptocurrency bubble. Inexperienced investors are at a particular risk of losing money because of the sophistication required to interact with DeFi platforms and the lack of any lack of any intermediary with customer support. So since it is decentralized, there is no main kind of company to point the finger at or blame. Uh, in 2021, half of cryptocurrency crime was related to DeFi. This rise has been attributed to a combination of developer incompetence and non-existent or poorly enforced regulations. Theft from DeFi can come from either external hackers stealing vulnerable projects or even stuff like rug pools, where the developers and influence promote a project and then take all the money as a form of pump and dump. The DeFi regulatory landscape is uh, still kind of ambiguous at best, although many government in in entities are making headway, much of the law and DeFi classifications are still uncertain. Therefore, most businesses are hesitant to jump in fully. So the battle between centralized finance, aka CeFi, and decentralized finance, known as DeFi, is always on and continuing. And there's pros and cons of both, and depending on which one you choose, for your requirement of crypto financial services really depends on what your goal is and what you're trying to give up, especially like stuff like personal information inside the market. So with that out of the way, we both know the pros and cons of decentralized finance. What does decentralized finance do? So DeFi revolves around decentralized applications or known as dApps. Uh, that, that perform financial functions on distributed ledgers called blockchains. A technology that was made popular by Bitcoin has since been adapted more broadly. Rather than transactions being exchanged, uh, made through a centralized intermediary, such as a cryptocurrency exchange or a traditional securities exchange, transactions are directly made between participants, meditated by smart contract programs. These smart contracts or DeFi protocols typically run using open source software that is built and maintained by a community of developers. 
dApps are typically accessed through a browser extension or application. For example, MetaMask allows users to directly interact with Ethereum through a digital wallet. Many of these dApps can be linked to create complex financial services. For example, stablecoin holders can lend assets like USD coin or DAI, DAI to, a to a liquidity pool in borrowing or lending protocol like Aave and allow others to borrow those digital assets by depositing their own collateral. The protocol automatically adjusts interest rates based on the demand for the asset. Some dApps source external or off-chain data, such as the price of an asset through blockchain oracles. Additionally, Aave introduced flash loans, which are uncollateralized loans of an arbitrary amount that are taken out and, pro and provably paid back within a single blockchain transaction. While there can be legitimate uses for flash loans such as arbitrage, collateral swap, self-liquidation, and unwinding leverage positions, many exploits of DeFi platforms have been used have used flash loans to manipulate uh, cryptocurrency spot prices. So flash loans have been used in the past to manipulate certain uh, coin prices as well as a lot of NFT kind of scams and stuff like that because someone can get a million dollar uh, flash loan and then buy a bunch of stuff and then immediately pay it back. Uh, another DeFi protocol is Uniswap, which is a decentralized exchange, aka a DEX, and set up to trade tokens issued on Ethereum rather than using a centralized exchange to fill orders. Uniswap pays users to form liquidity pools in exchange for representative fees that traders earn by swapping tokens in and out of the liquidity pool. Uh, because no centralized party runs Uniswap, aka the platform is run by its users and any development team can use the open source software there is no entity to check the identities of people using the platform that meet the kyc or aml regulations and kyc means know your customer so you pretty much that's when you give uh, your passport and pretty much identify who you are so since it is not clear what position regulators will take on the legality of such platforms DeFi is looked at as a kind of risky place right now also, when dealing with DeFi, you have to understand that since everyone is autonomous, no one is actually saying who they, no one is actually um, promoting who they are or anything. You have to be it's, uh, wary of what people you are dealing with and like if they have the right intentions. So with that out of the way, what does the future look like for DeFi? Without a doubt, Ethereum remains the most active and populated blockchain, but other potential players continue to pop up that are providing a, a viable alternative to Ethereum. For example, Layer 1 protocols such as the Binance Smart Chain uh, and Solana are attracting billions in assets under management, whereas Layer 2 solutions such as Polygon are capturing Ethereum's disgruntled users' attention due to their com uh, compatibility with Ethereum-based protocols. This is in addition to delivering low fees and quick transaction speeds. However, despite Ethereum's gas fees reaching a high over the past year and the growth of faster networks, none of these chains have killed Ethereum yet, so Ethereum is still the top dog in the smart contract space. It is because of this, as we enter the second half of 2022, that the native, uh, the narrative of Ethereum versus the rest is starting to change. Developers are realizing the value of cross-chain uh, future rather than having to pick one blockchain to build on. It's no longer a case of creating a chain with competitive edge, but in, in, of ensuring that all chains can work interchangeably to improve the industry. So it's really not um, kind of a bunch of armies you can say working on their own little army like the blockchains are kind of only working in their community right now the whole 
crypto space is kind of trying to work together and have everything fit in together, if that makes sense. So due to its prominence and longstanding presence in the market, Ethereum has the first mover advantage and remains the most significant blockchain with the DeFi ecosystem as of quarter one of 2022. But with other chains gaining momentum, it is these alternatives to Ethereum that are providing the benefits of faster transaction speeds and significantly lower fees. Uh, the introduction of other chains isn't necessarily a bad thing for even Ethereum fans. After all, a multi-chain ecosystem brings additional space for new protocols to enter, each with a strong user base. Each new chain creates a new sorry, each uh, new chain creates a new community, uh, and vacates for services and an individual identity and a culture. So each new blockchain that pops up, uh, there's pros and cons to each one, and they can all kind of build on top of each other because they can learn what works and what doesn't. One possible drawback, depending on how you look at it, is that some blockchains require unique programming languages, such as JavaScript, Rolang, Simplicity, Rust, or Solidity, which may present a barrier to entry for developers. At the same time, however, different coding languages can present, present a new way for developers to solve a problem. And, the block, and as the blockchain space moves further towards multi-chain, it may inspire developers to create and innovate as they witness the diversity in viable blockchain projects. It is for this reason that the projects don't innovate that don't innovate could be seen as lagging and abandoned by the community. So pretty much if you don't get better, you will die. Um, not only that, but separated blockchains create innovation silos, but presenting challenges to, pro to progress and adoption. Uh, joining the multi-chain future together can be seen as a seamless connecting these specialized groups. This group could be seen as a difficult objective to achieve in a traditional tech world, but cryptocurrency and blockchain are challenging these existing infrastructure monopolies, and this industry has the ability to pioneer an ecosystem that works cohesively rather than competitively. So obviously, uh, with the increase of DeFi, not only do these chains continue to compete with each other, when they do compete, they are kind of making the entire crypto space better because they're improving the technology that they are built upon. So obviously, uh, to kind of end this episode and summarize everything, DeFi is a brand new technology that needs to be used with caution. If you uh, decide to use DeFi in, in any way, make sure you are doing it with utmost uh, scrutiny of the application to make sure everything you are doing is safe. Um, also, it can be very profitable, but it is very, very risky, especially for the retail kind of user. Um, so I, I really just want to know, uh, after going through all these facts, what do you all think about this? How, what's, what's your opinion on DeFi? And do you think you'll use it in the future? Or are you just going to stick with the centralized exchanges, like something like Coinbase? Uh, also, I just want to make sure everyone uh, learned something today. That is my goal. And if you uh, have a question or maybe want to learn more about what DeFi is, feel free to leave it in the poll in the Spotify description, or feel free to send me a message on Instagram or any of our other social medias. I would love to get back with you all. Uh, if you learned something today, feel free to share this with your friends. That's really how we grow this podcast since we do not run ads. Um, that really, just word of mouth, uh, advertising really helps us here. And also give the podcast five stars if you enjoyed. That's a great way to kind of give me a thumbs up you could say for doing all the doing all the work to make this doing all the research and everything to make this podcast work and it really tells spotify that even though we are small podcast people are enjoying our uh, uh media and our everything we do here so yeah guys please feel free to give us a follow on social media it is at nft underscore nation underscore podcast and that's going to be it for me today 
Have a good one.